Welcome to the Calvary Baltimore Sermon Podcast with our senior pastor, Josh Plantholt. Great to have you with us. Calvary meets in the Joppa Falston area north of Baltimore. If you're nearby, come join us. For all the details, go to our website at calvarychapelbaltimore.org. And now, here's this week's teaching. I read a quote yesterday. I don't know who said it, but they said, you can tell what a church believes by what they sing. You can tell how much they believe it by how loud they sing it. And we certainly believe God is holy in here. And that is quite a blessing for your pastor to hear. Hear your voices. I'd like to call your attention this morning to the 10th chapter of Revelation. We will be taking communion today, uh, and we'll be doing that at the end of service. So if you don't have communion, well, Rob's got some over there. (laughs) Now's the time. Our word for today is why. As we study today's passage, we are going to keep asking the singular question, why? Why is John eating a scroll (laughs) today? Why is it sweet? Why does it cause a tummy ache? Why, Why, after eating it, is he then told to prophesy, essentially read it? Typically, you wouldn't read something and if you ate it first. Uh, so why, 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 why? Today's, today's question is why, and we're going to be asking why a lot. Um, our, our text picks up at verse 8, but I would like to get a running start at verse 1. So Revelation 10, <clears throat> verse 1. Let's pray again, actually. I don't I feel prompted. Let's pray. God, we, we love you. We thank you that you are here amongst us. We, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would open it up to us in a fresh new way. And we pray that we may digest your word, that we may preach it. And in Jesus' name, amen. That I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head, and his face was like the sun, and his legs like pillars of fire. He had a little scroll open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, and he called out with a loud voice like a lion roaring. And when he called out, the seven thunders sounded. And when the seven thunders had sounded, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up what the seven thunders had said and do not write it down. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it and the earth and what is in it and the sea and what is in it and that there would be no more delay, but that the days of the trumpet called to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. New territory, verse 8. Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, Go, take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So Jesus took this scroll from the hand of the Father, and now John is told to take this scroll from the hand of this mighty angel. Whoever this mighty angel is, they are deeply connected to Christ in both appearance 
and sound. So this is, at the very least, a mighty, mighty angel. Verse 9. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the scroll. Isn't that something? You imagine that? This mighty angel messenger whose foot literally is standing on the water. It's not in the water, it's on the water. And one foot's on land and is clothed in a cloud and rainbows. And his voice is like a roaring lion and his legs are on fire. And a voice from heaven tells him, go take the scroll. And John goes, give me the scroll. John walks up to this infinitely more impressive messenger and has a bold request. That's not easy. That is not easy. But following the word of God will make you bold and at times appear a little bit crazy sometimes. You know that, you know that guy in, in Tiananmen Square standing in front of the tank? You know, a faith, a faith in the Lord will make you do some, some pretty bold stuff. Verse 9, so I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. Well, I don't know if that's a Uh, (laughs) trade-off. But God told him to. Uh, So let's be honest, doesn't this seem a little bit odd? We, we, We have been building to the reading of this scroll for five chapters and opening it. Remember, after each of the seven seals that kept the scroll closed were opened, something crazy happened. I mean, billions of people most likely have died to open this scroll. And now we see it and God, or this voice from heaven says, all right, John, eat it. Now, odds are, unless you knew this story, odds are you did not see that coming. This is not how we would typically write things now, is it? Now, why is John told to eat this scroll? Uh, And this scroll is not just the normal piece of papyri. It apparently will taste sweet, and then once digested, will hurt John's stomach. So this is one of the questions we need to ask ourselves. Why? But I'll tell you later. Verse 10. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. And it was sweet as honey in my mouth. And when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I've struggled with stomach things sometimes, so I get it. Uh, So a voice from heaven told John to eat, take, uh, to to take the scroll and to eat it. And then John tells this mighty messenger to give me the scroll. And the messenger gives John the warning. Fine, take it, eat it, but it's going to hurt your stomach. But it'll taste sweet. And then John, uh, John takes the scroll and that's exactly what happens. He eats it. It tastes sweet. It hurts his stomach. Then verse 11. Again, we got to be going, what is happening here? Verse 11. And I was told, you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. So, John is told to eat the scroll, and he does. And then once it's digested, then the mighty messenger told John to prophesy. Why is John supposed to prophesy after he eats the scroll? So what comes next in this book, starting in chapter 11, this is a structural note here, is what was in the scroll. 
And John is going to, to write, write it for us to read. So the next time we are in this book, in chapter 11, we will begin unpacking the contents, the prophecies written within this scroll that John ate. So John eats it. What we're about to read over the coming weeks will be what was written in the scroll. But we're not going to do that today. So that's today's text. I want to ask and answer five questions from today's text. All, all of them begin with why. <laughs> First, why is John told to take the scroll? That just I just imagine John standing in front of this 10-foot being or whatever it is with legs of fire, and he has to say, give me the scroll. I can't imagine what that must have looked like. And then God put John in that position. I want you to go ask him. Take the scroll. I, I love what verse, I'm going to read verse 8 again. Then the voice that I heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, Go, take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on on land. This scroll, at its very fundamental level, is the word of God. (laughs) Any way you slice it, these words written are God's words. And immediately, this preaches. (laughs) Immediately, there's application for us. The reason John is not given the scroll, but is told to take the scroll, the the book, is because God wants us to ask him. Loved ones, if you want to understand God's word, the Bible, you have to ask. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Listen, Jesus is revealing to us here how dad operates, how how God operates. And God didn't give John the scroll until he asked for it. And the same is true today. (laughs) Have you ever had a Bible just collecting dust somewhere? Is that that permeating you from across the room? No, you must go to it. You must approach God to it. The Bible is open to us. God's word is open to us. It is descended from heaven to earth through the Holy Spirit. And God holds his word with an open hand before us. But we have have to come and take it. We have to ask. God is showing to us, John is modeling to the church, that we are to go to the word and to eat it, and to chew on it, and to savor its sweetness. And all these things are available to us if we ask for it. Now, I want to read some things to you here. From Matthew chapter 7, 7, this is Jesus. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be open. Or which of one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? (laughs) That's a bad gift giver. Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Surprise! If If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... My son's birthday was on, was on Friday. I got, him a, I got him a foam zombie sword. He has been running around the house in his underwear, slaying zombies for two days. If I know how to give good gifts to my children, how much more, uh, Jesus says, how much more will your father who is in heaven good give, th- good, give good things to him who asks him? 
Loved ones, if you are saved, you have put your life and your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ unto salvation. When you stand before God Almighty, you are not going to plead your good works. You're going to plead the blood of Christ. If you are saved, I'm telling you because the Bible is telling you, Dad wants to bless you. God wants to bless you. You ever not understand things? <laughs> God wants to teach you. He wants to guide you. He wants to reveal things to us. He, but he wants us to go to him in prayer and ask for it first. This is the way he has designed these things because it is an answered prayer that God gets the glory. If God just handed you everything you wanted all the time, you wouldn't realize it was from him. But if you're on your knees saying, oh God, you got to show up today, <laughs> and he does, it's not because you're awesome, it's because he's good. <laughs> it is an answered prayer that the church rejoices. God ever pull you out of a pit and after lots of prayer? God gets the glory. It is an answered prayer that gratitude is birthed. It is an answered prayer that humility grows. And thinking of the word, God's word is open for us to learn and grow and become wise. Just ask him. <laughs> and the spirit of God will give to you. He will help you understand. And listen, you all know me well enough by now, I think. I'm a Bible guy. I am a Bible guy through and through. But I cannot tell you how many times God has brought new light to something when I was in prayer. It is when I have been praying that the Lord's prayer all of a sudden unfurls. Into, it blossoms into a new tree. And, and Now listen, that, that does not mean... And here's the danger to that, right? Because have you ever met someone who said, well, God told me? You ever run into those people? The stabbing you in the back. Well, God told me it was okay, you know. It, or they believe something about the Bible and they can't hear otherwise because God Almighty gave them divine word. It's like, well, the, this Bible verse also says you're wrong. So who's right here? Who, who's wrong here? Okay, so th th there are people who abuse this, but at the same time, the Holy Spirit is real. And he does, as Jesus says, gives us ears to hear what we couldn't before. And he gives us eyes to see things that we couldn't see before. And he gives us, as Paul would say, measures of faith that we didn't have before. And Jesus said to the woman of the well, we worship God in spirit and in truth. There is a spiritual aspect to wisdom. There's a spiritual aspect to Bible reading and knowledge. And today's passage of scripture is showing us to ask. <laughs> ask God and he will give to us. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all. You're not the only one exempt from the, the all there. Without reproach. And it will be given to him. 
That word generously there in James 1.5 is a hapax legomenon. I talk about him all the time. It means it's a surgical, it's a precise word. It's the only word, that is the only Greek word for generous there in the entire Bible. And do you know what it means most specifically? That word generous there means generous. That's <laughs> exactly what it means. This is not some cryptic message. James is saying, plain as day, ask and God will really give you wisdom generously. Why do you think I'm in this chair? (laughs) The grace of God being poured out generously. In Acts chapter 4, the Sadducees, it says, were greatly annoyed that Peter and John were preaching Christ's resurrection. I love that. I love that Christ's enemies get greatly annoyed. That just tickles me. (laughs) And then it says in Acts 4.13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, they don't have the doctorate from Harvard like I do. Pass the gray poupon. (laughs) That they were common men. And they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. May that be true of every single person in this room. If we would spend time engaging with the word of God and ask, we too would be changed. We would be bold. You know, when I witnessed, I I witnessed to my hair barber the other day, and I felt like I should have got a discount because I'm missing more, but she paid me, charged me full price. And I said, she goes, so what do you believe in in the, you know, I told her I was a pastor and she was cutting my hair and she was crying because I was ministering to her. And I go, please don't put a big nick in my head somewhere. You know, I'm glad this is working, but just finish my haircut. And... uh, And I told her, I go, ma'am, miss, I really believe the Bible is the word of God. And if you really believe that, it will change you. It It will change you radically. Go to God's word, believe it, and ask that he shows you. And we too would be changed. We too would be bold. We too would be wise and discerning. I want to encourage you today to ask God for wisdom and then go and take it from his hand. Because it's open. His hand isn't open so that he can go, I'll try to catch it, try to catch it. He wants to give it to you. You know, that's a big thing the Puritans talk about, pre-church preparation. You are to be in prayer before you get to church. That your heart may be ready to receive. You're to pray Saturday night for church that you may be prepared to. And you're to start praying Sunday after you leave for next Sunday. And we're to read our Bibles every day and ask to receive. You know, I would be so tickled if everyone in this room read their Bibles tomorrow and before they read, they said, God, teach me something today. And then watch what happens. (laughs) Watch what God does with that prayer. He is a good father who gives generously. But God wants you to ask him. So that way when when it comes, you understand why it came. The father's hand was open. Okay, so so go to God and ask. Moving on, we got to keep going. Uh, Secondly, after John asks for the scroll, he's told to eat it. But before he eats it, he's given a warning that the scroll would be sweet. Why is this scroll sweet? 
And there's lots of different explanations people give for why this scroll, why this book is first sweet to taste. And my thinking is because it's the word of God. God's word, Psalm 119, 103. God's word are sweet like honey. I love honey. I do. Loved ones, God's word is life. It's joy. It's sustenance. It's sweet like manna to our souls. You know, so I, I still have this on my computer for study reasons, and for that it's great. But I just deleted the YouTube app off of my phone. And I, I noticed that I would get on there for entertainment uh, purposes. And one of the things God brought to my attention this week is that when I got done watching whatever, I was less joyful than when I began. It was entertaining me, but it wasn't helping me. And so, loved ones, this is never true with the word of God. His word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It's water to our soul. It's honey to our lips. I never leave the word of God worse off than when I began. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes I walk away with a bruised butt. I mean, God, God will spank you some days. Absolutely. He says, it says in Hebrews, God disciplines a child he loves. And praise God when he disciplines us. He, but even his rebukes and corrections are edifying. Because they come from a loving father who gives generously to his child. And so as we will see, this word to, is to be prophesied and proclaimed. And the word is good news of great joy. Our message is sweet. It's beautiful. We're all sinners in the hands of a, of a holy and just God. But Jesus provided a way. Now our third question, why is it bitter? That's the one that got me. Okay, the message is sweet. Why does it hurt his stomach? <laughs> I'm lactose intolerant. I feel this pain. <laughs> like, do I really need this fourth slice of pizza, God? Oh, please help me. <laughs> the answer is no, but I try anyways. And... and, and there's a component here of God searching John's most inward parts in this hurting, which we're going to get into in a bit. But also, like Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, that the word delights and it goads. It pokes us sometimes. Sometimes the word is hard to digest and receive, isn't it? And then what the disciples said in John 7, God, this is a hard word, Jesus. And to receive this word, to believe the word of God and really believe it's the word of God, you know that means we have to die? Jesus told us we needed to be born again. That means you need to die. <laughs> he told us we need to die. He told us to carry our crosses. Pick up your torture weapon, boys, let's go. To bear each other's burdens. There's a sense of bitterness in this. Also, maybe the prophecy that John is to preach is both sweet as it involves victory in the kingdom, but it's also bitter because the, the amount of martyrs that were and will be shed in the process. The blood of the martyr is the seed of the church, as Tertullian once said. We have gotten here today through the death of a lot of brothers and sisters. And in the, it won't, the same will be true in the end. We see the two witnesses, their blood will be shed. As the blood of Jesus was necessary for the kingdom, so it seems that the blood of the saints for the advancement of the kingdom. And that's bitterness. The advancement is sweet, but the death is bitter. So there are a few reasons this may be bitter. Now, our, our fourth and fifth question are combined. 
I really because I really can't answer one without answering the other. And so our two questions are: Why must John eat the scroll? And why, after eating it, does he then prophesy? These are our two big questions, aren't they? Really? Why must John eat the scroll? And why, after eating, does he then prophesy? There are three Old Testament texts. Uh, in today's passage uh, of Scripture that that's drawing from. Uh, today I'm going to be sharing one of them. If you want to hear the other two, you're going to have to listen to tomorrow's Bible study. But uh, let's answer our, our two questions. Why must John eat the scroll, and why after eating it does he then speak it? <sighs> Numbers, the book of Numbers. I'm so happy about this. I am so happy about this. Numbers chapter 5, verses 11 through 31. One of my, the great joys of my life, so you understand me, one of the great joys of my life are to take portions of Scripture that people don't either understand or pass over and to draw out their significance. Because I believe the Word of God is God's Word. Which that also means I also don't believe any of it's wasted. There's a reason for it. Well, today we, we have this really seemingly odd, it's, it's one of the strangest portions in all of the Bible, and yet it is hugely important to the tone of the rest of the Bible. So what I want to do here is, is read Numbers chapter 5 and start at verse 11, and you're going to start hear this and go, why in the world are we reading this? And that makes me so happy. So verse 11. <clears throat> And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Numbers 5.11, start now verse 12. Speak to the people of Israel. If any man's wife goes astray and breaks faith with him, if a man lies with her sexually and it is hidden from the eyes of her husband and she is undetected, though she has defiled herself and there is no witness against her since she was not taken in the act. And if the spirit of jealousy comes over him and he is jealous of his wife who has defiled herself or if the spirit of jealousy comes uh, comes over him and he is jealous of his wife, though she has not defiled herself, then the man shall bring his wife to the priest and bring the offering required of her, a tenth of an ephah of barley flour. Now you may be going, what did we just read? In the book of Numbers, if a man suspected his wife of cheating on him, if there were no, even if there were no witnesses, even if she was not caught, even if no one has a testimony, if the husband is in deep suspicion of his bride, he could take her to the tabernacle of the Lord for a test. And in that test, God would examine the bride. Now, before we read this, it's really important to note we don't have one account of anyone ever trying this test. But what we do see in Scripture is that God uses this test often. The test that we are about to read seems to be used by God through the rest of the Bible. It is how he inspects his bride. Verse 15. The man shall bring his wife to the priest and bring an off, the offering required of her, a tenth of an ephah of fa- barley flour. He shall pour no oil on it and put no frankincense on it, for it is a grain offering of jealousy, a grain offering of remembrance, bringing iniquity to remembrance. And the priest shall bring her near and set her before the Lord. The Lord's doing the inspecting. And the priest shall take holy water in an earthware vessel and take some of the dust that is on the floor of the 
tabernacle and put it into the water. So the literal floor, the dust of the tabernacle was to be placed in some holy water. Verse 18, and the priest shall set the woman before the Lord and unbind the hair of the woman's head and place in her hands the grain offering of remembrance, which is the grain offering of jealousy. And in his hand, the priest shall have the water of bitterness that brings the curse. Uh Uh-oh. Then the priest shall make her take an oath, saying, If no man has laid with you, and if you have not turned aside to uncleanliness, while you are under your husband's authority, be free from this water of bitterness that brings the curse. But if you have gone astray, though you are under your husband's authority, and if you have defiled yourself, and some man other than your husband has laid with you, then let the priest make the woman take the oath of the curse and say to the woman, The Lord make you a curse and an oath among your people. When the Lord makes your thigh fall away, no one knows what that means, not even me, and your body swell, we know what that means, that's painful, may this water that brings the curse pass into your bowels and make your womb swell and your thigh fall away. And the woman shall say, amen, amen. Then the priest shall write these curses in a book and wash them off into the water of bitterness. We have three elements here. We have holy water, symbolic of the Spirit. We have the floor of the tabernacle, symbolic of the Father's presence amongst the people. And now we have the Word, symbolic of Jesus, who is the Word. And the Word is to be washed into this water. Verse 24, And he shall make the woman drink the water of bitterness that brings the curse. And the water that brings the curse shall enter into her and cause her pain. You starting to see the connection? The triune word that was ingested caused stomach pain and caused stomach pain whether the woman was found guilty or innocent. So understand here, the stomach pain was a sign that God was searching her. God was searching the inmost parts of this woman to find if she was innocent or found guilty. He was searching the most inward parts of of her soul. Verse 25, And the priest shall take the grain offering of jealousy out of the woman's hand and shall wave the grain offering before the Lord and bring it to the altar. And the priest shall take a handful of of the grain offering as as its memorial portion and burn it on the altar. And afterwards shall make the woman drink the water. And when he has made her drink the water, then if she has defiled herself and has broken faith with her husband, the water that brings the curse shall enter into her and cause bitter pain, the pain will grow, and her wound shall swell and her thighs shall fall away. I really don't know what that means. And the woman shall become a curse amongst her people. If she is found unfaithful by God, her womb will be closed and she will bear no fruit. Verse 28, but if the woman has not defiled herself and is clean, then she shall be free and shall conceive children. The end. (laughs) If she's telling the truth and and the suspicions of her husband are unsubstantiated, God search her and finds her innocent, then not only will she be declared innocent, she will bear a child and she will bear fruit as a sign of God's blessing upon her. Again, we never see this carried out in the entire Bible, but God does this all the time. For example, think of the incident of the golden calf in the wilderness. Remember when the people fell into spiritual adultery with the golden calf? What did Moses do? He crushes the golden calf and the Ten Commandments into powder, 
pours them into water and forces the people to drink it. Then the people are found guilty. And what does God command? That the Levites would go in the camp and slaughter the guilty. This also seems the background of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven. Maybe you've read this in one, uh-oh. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. Have you read this before? This is what Paul's drawing on. In an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. Paul is saying if you were found unfaithful to the Lord in communion, the curse will come upon you. Paul is saying, examine yourself. Do not take of the Lord's cup, of the Lord's body, <laughs> in an unworthy manner, because again, you, the curse will be upon you. Ex- examine yourself before the Lord examines you. There's also a Eucharist uh, element now in Revelation 10 today, too. Now, back to our text in Revelation. Here in Revelation 10, John eats the book and it becomes bitter in his stomach. Why? God is examining him. But John's thigh does not swell and his belly does not swell. He passes the test. And what is the blessing of passing the test in the book of Numbers? Pregnancy. Well, here in Revelation 10, John is now told to prophesy. He is to give birth. He is to deliver God's prophecy that he has carried within himself. As Jesus, and and think about it, as Jesus, who is worthy to take this scroll? Jesus was. As Jesus was found worthy, so now is John worthy to preach the word. John is not a spiritual adulterer. He is not a faithless prophet. He is not a man given to idols or intoxicated by Babylon. And because John passes the test, he received the promised blessing of the text, fruitfulness. And immediately John is about, as we read in chapter 11, to give birth to prophecy. So chapter chapter 10 closes with John's faithfulness to preach the scroll. First, Jesus was worthy to receive the word, and now Jesus' apostle apostle is to give it to the church. And as we kept reading, if we keep reading in the book of Revelation, we're going to see that there is a worthiness that is necessary for those who enter into the new Jerusalem. So here's what I want to close with. The scroll that we have been waiting five chapters to hear about has finally been opened. And the first thing Jesus does with it is performs a bridal inspection with it. And do you know what this is telling us? That the word of God searches our inmost being. And it is either a blessing or it is a curse. And John, who represents the faithful, drinks from this cup. He partakes of the word. And, he beca- and, and because he is faithful, God multiplies in his life. And later in this book, we're going to be introduced to another woman, Babylon. And she's going to be an unfaithful woman, drinking of a new cup. And this woman, Babylon, is going to fall and become cursed and barren, and she will never again be multiplied on this earth. But for today, simply, our God is a jealous God. Did you know that? Most people think that's bad news. That is not bad news. 
because his jealousy stems from his love for his bride. And in the revelation, he does not want unfaithful messengers. In Corinth, he does not want to see an unfaithful church. In Torah, he does not want to see an undivided Israel. All through the Bible, old and new, God does not want a wayward, unfaithful, divided bride, the church, because a divided bride only ends in loss. Loved ones, to reject God and to pursue something else or someone else will only lead to eternal fiery judgment. God does not want us given over to another because he wants to see us live. He wants to see us succeed. He wants to see us in heaven with him forever. Exodus 20, verse 5, 34, 14. Deuteronomy 4, 24, 5, 9, 6, 15. Our God is a jealous God. And do you know what? This is the best news imaginable. Because that means that God is passionate about you. He's invested in you. He's in love with you. Let me tell you, if you let your spouse sleep around and you don't care, you don't love her. You don't love him. There's a disconnect there. But God cares because he's jealous for you. He wants you to himself. He's in love with you and he pursues you. This is what Luke 15 is about. Even while we are a far way off, he sees us and runs. God runs to us. Our God is a jealous God. He wants his bride. And his jealousy in Joel 2.18 moves God to compassion for his people. Did you know it's because God's jealous he's compassionate? In Ezekiel 39, his jealousy moves God to mercy for his people. His mercy stems from his jealousy. His jealousy in Zechariah 1 moves God to pursue his people to return and establish them. If your faith is in Jesus Christ, then you worship a jealous God. And this is the best news imaginable because it means that he doesn't want Satan to have you. (laughs) He wants you. He loves you. And God loves you not just with his head, he loves you with his heart. And as the church is God's faithful people, listen, let's not pretend ourselves. We're not perfect. We're not the spotless bride that we should be. But our affections are to be pointed at him. And we are to be given to him. And we are to be faithful to him. And our bodies and our lives and our souls belong to him. And this is in part what communion is, isn't it? It is us and the Lord becoming one flesh. It is us consummating a marriage to be found, for, to be found one with him and faithful to him. And so we're going to take communion in a second. And, and a few things. First, if you are not saved, you are not trusting in Christ, but you'd like to be, then you are welcome to this table. The Bible is not for some people. Remember we read in James 1.5, it is for all people. And heaven is going to be filled with all kinds of people. That includes people like you and me, bacon eaters. You are welcome to this meal and this table. Renounce your old life and come. 
Secondly, if you're not saved, I think what we can clearly see here is this is not for you. If you partake of this, if you are not faithful to Christ, then a curse will come upon you. If you are not faithful to him, this meal is not for you. I ask that you abstain. Again, the only person keeping you out is you. (laughs) You are certainly welcome. And thirdly, there's always the element before we come before the Lord, we should examine ourselves. We should purify ourselves before we stand in front of God Almighty and partake of the elements and have him examine us. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to take a moment, a minute, maybe, don't time me. uh, And I'd like to us to quietly pray and to repent of the sins that we need to repent of. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You have that sin in your life you think God can't forgive? Wrong. (laughs) 1 John 1, 9. He will forgive you of all unrighteousness. So pray. Ask. Ask God to forgive you. You know what confession is biblically? It's admitting to God what the Spirit is testifying to you. God says, boy, you really messed up here. You're right, God, forgive me. (laughs) That's confession. And and then moving past it, moving beyond it and saying, "This, this is no longer... This is no longer a part of my life. So let's take a moment. We're going to pray, and then we'll, we'll hop right into communion and then, and then worship. So take a minute. God, we love you. Grow us in love. God, forgive us of our failures, our trespasses. Our sins. God, forgive us of the times we lose our temper or, or bitter or jealous or angry or lustful. God, we don't want these things in our life. We want you. And so, God, you say you are faithful and just to forgive. Forgive us of our sins. And let us be done with the old man. Let us be totally and singularly divided and, and separated unto you. Make us who you desire us to be, God. Righteous and godly men and women for your glory. And God, we thank you for this cup that you have provided for us. We thank you for, Jesus, for for, for your shed blood in your body. We thank you that you have reconciled us to dad. That we may approach the throne, God, boldly. So God, we we take this Eucharist as, as such a sign of blessing and thankfulness. We thank you, God. We thank you for what you've provided. And God, we ask that we ask that you would transform us now. Let us leave here today far different than when we showed up. Captivated by you. Filled and anointed with your Holy Spirit. To do the work of the ministry. God, you said that the, the, the harvest is plentiful, but there aren't enough laborers, God. Pray that you may send more laborers into the field. God, we're willing. (laughs) Send us. So be with us now and strengthen us now. And in Jesus' name, amen. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessed it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat. 
This is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. God, we, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your inmost searching. We ask that you would purify us again. Make us kind and, and Christ-like in every way. We thank you that you have adopted us, Father. We thank you, Jesus, that you have married us. Help us to be faithful, undivided, unwayward. And God, we ask that you may fill us with joy of, of your salvation. Help us to be joyful in what you have provided. <laughs> Help us to be thankful. In Jesus' name, all who agreed said, Amen. Let's stand and worship. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Calvary Baltimore. Please keep in touch. Send us an email with your questions, prayer requests, or just to say hi. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is calvary.faithlife at gmail.com. If you'd like to donate to support the work God is doing through Calvary Baltimore, go to calvarychapelbaltimore.org and click Donate Now. And if you're in the area, stop by on a Sunday morning. For directions and service times, go to our website at calvarychapelbaltimore.org. Finally, if you're unable to come see us in person, we also live stream on our website and on our Facebook page. We hope you've been blessed by this week's teaching. Until next time, keep drawing closer to God through the reading of His Word. And join us again for the next Calvary Baltimore Sermon Podcast.